Yine söylüyorum, kazanacaksınız. Kazanmak için uğraşacaksınız. Ama netice ne olursa olsun, siz benim gönlümde hep kazandınız, hep şampiyonsunuz. Ve öyle kalacaksınız. Allah yardım Merhaba and welcome to the very first episode of Behind the Fans. I'm your host Samet and we are bringing you a somewhat different extra format in addition to our weekly main series on the Lions Den, a Galatasaray podcast. The Behind the Fans episode will be more interview based with different Galatasaray supporters from all around the world. And today we have an amazing super fan from Toronto, Canada, Jan. Hello, John. Welcome. Thank you, Samet. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to speaking with you as always. Should be a good time. So you know a bit how it will go today. I've told you about it. You're the very first appearance in this series. Amazing. I'm honored. Well, let's start right away. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? What's your name? How old are you? Where are you from? Absolutely. Uh, well, my name is John. I'm from Toronto, Canada. I'm 26 years old. Um, I've been supporting Galatasaray for pretty much as long as I can remember. It wasn't easy getting here. I come from a pretty big Fenerli family. Um, I'm, I'm an outcast in my family, so that, that was interesting growing up. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a football coach myself. I've been doing that for the last decade of my life, 10 years. I got into it when I was 16. I've been running through, uh, running through it ever since, enjoying it, trying my best, winning trophies, trying to win leagues, doing, it, doing all I can for the youth. I enjoy it as well. Um, yeah. So you mentioned something about coming from a big Fenerli family. Yes, unfortunately. How were you not converted into being a Fenerbahce supporter, but a Galatasaray supporter? Yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty interesting. It was a bit of a difficult journey, but yeah, pretty much all my cousins and everything, everyone supports Fenerbahce. Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. There, there was something, something about it. I just, I wasn't that into it. But basically what happened was, uh, so just, just for everyone listening as well, I'm, I'm not from Turkey. I'm from Northern Cyprus, the Turkish side of Cyprus. So my, my nene, my grandmother, she is the only Galatasaray supporter in the family, other than me, of course. But she got it from uh, her father. So my, my, uh, my great-grandfather, uh, he supported Galatasaray because there's a club in, in Cyprus uh, called Çetinkaya. It's uh, the most successful club there in the, the Cypriot League. And he was, uh, I'm not sure what the year was, but he was a goalkeeper for the club. And the club's colors are red and yellow. So he kind of took that. And I guess for that reason, he started supporting Galatasaray. And my nene picked that up. Her twin brother, for some reason, didn't. He picked Fenerbahce. I don't know why. So I guess the, the line in the sand was drawn right there. But basically, my, when my nene would, and my dede would go to Cyprus every, every year, they would, they'd bring back jerseys for me. And I would just I, just, I just sort of took it from there. I don't know what it was. Like, even though all my cousins and everything were supporting Fenerbahce, there's, I don't know, there's just something about it. I just gravit- gravitated toward Galatasaray a bit more. I think, it, th- thinking back about it, because I've thought about this so much, I think maybe it just has to do with the players at the time. Like, when I was growing up, like, I was born in 1996. So when I was old enough to start watching football and stuff like that, I was watching Hakan Shukur and, and those, that group. And Hakan mm-hmm. was my hero, I guess you could say. I loved watching him play. When I was a kid pretending I was playing, I would have it in my head like I was him and trying to copy his moves and stuff like that. So it just sort of stuck. But definitely from my nene, I, I, I got Galatasaray. That's pretty much how it started. Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of a super fan was your nene? Which means grandma, by the way. Just for the Yes, listeners. yes. She is, um, I would say maybe like 8 out of 10, maybe. Not quite oh, fanatical, wow. but she got it. Like, she, it was, a, it was a, a thing between her and her dad, you know. She got it from that. Mm-hmm. 
And obviously, you know, when, when your parents are gone, like, I, I don't know yet. I have both of my parents still, mm-hmm. thankfully. But of course, one day when you're, when parents go, you hold on to certain things from them and certain things, I guess, that remind you of your family members. So it was kind of like that. And thankfully, that got passed on to me. So was it your grandma that came from Cyprus to Toronto, Canada? Not quite not initially so my my grandfather he came to canada in 1968 i believe he was uh at the time i think he was 22 years old so he said goodbye uh to his mom and his siblings and he got on a two-week boat ride um and he ended up in eastern canada so he he got to canada and he sort of settled in a, a little town at the time that's called london ontario um and pretty pretty humble beginnings man nothing nothing in his pockets nothing to his name i started pumping gas in this city just trying to you know build a life and then after a few years he went back to cyprus and he married my nene and brought my nene over i think maybe three or four years after he was in canada so he brought her over and they they built a life together and the dominoes fell and here i am that's very interesting. Yes. And was your grandpa also a Galatasaray supporter? No, he's he. I guess by default uh, is Fenerli, but he's not that deep into it. He has other interests. But I would uh, assume if you go uh, if you go to uh, Canada at that young age, I guess uh, you have other things on your mind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sure he wasn't focusing on football that much, <laughs> but. You know, from his, his siblings and, and stuff like that, I would assume when he was a kid, just by default, he was Fenerli, but um, yeah, he's not too deep into it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a very interesting background story, uh, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> forgot your name for a, <laughs> a little bit there. Uh, but um, so in terms of being a Galatasaray supporter, you're a big fan. What what does being a Galatasaray supporter for you mean? Like, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm I'm very proud of. You know, it's it's something that I've had since I was I was a kid. It's it's come with me through my adulthood. It's gonna remain with me for the rest of my life for sure. There's just a certain uh, there's a certain passion and a certain respect that you have for the club you know we're we're a club that that was founded on on um you know certain principles and certain morals and i i'd like to think that as galsai supporters we hold ourselves to you know a certain certain regard and we have a certain pride and um yeah you know it's it's i don't know it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a deep question i i don't want to get maybe maybe to clarify a bit mm-hmm. like does it mean like being a Galatasaray supporter, does it mean that you have to go to every single match in the stadium in Istanbul? Does it mean you have to watch every single match on TV? Does it mean you have to support Galatasaray by buying their merchandise? How do you see that? Or does it mean critiquing Galatasaray every opportunity you get? Or like, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, of course, I, I don't think that you need to go to every, every match or, you know, wear, wear the jersey every single day, stuff like that. But yeah, you know, it's, it's Galstai supporters are, are, are loyal. You know, I think that you should, you should be following, following the club, following the news. And, and that's, that, that's not something that's very difficult for Galstai supporters either. Like, there's something about it that just connects connects a person you know and and most of the times when someone supports the club uh that's just sort of by default they're they're drawn to it and and following sort of like that but yeah i, I don't i don't think everyone has to be fanatic every single game like stuff like this you know just because i'm i'm like that or you're like that doesn't mean other people can be like that doesn't mean that other people can't have that same passion and and draw towards the club or the colors or the players whatever it is that draws you you know, and, you know, one thing I, I learned and I, I wrote a, I wrote sort of like a, I guess an article on medium.com about this. The first time I, I went to a Galatasaray match, it was, it was a few years ago. Um, I realized something when I was there and something that I wrote about that I think makes the club so special. And it's that, you know, results in football matter a lot. Of course they do. 
But when I was there, I, I realized the reason why these people gather in the stadium and it's so fanatic. And it's because there's a feeling you get when you're all together with friends, family, other fans, all supporting one thing together, you know? There's that love and like that connection that you have with all the supporters and everyone mm -hmm. feels the same thing, even if it's strangers, you know, it could be someone you've never met before in your life, but because you support Galsara, you have that connection and you have that bond, you know, and that really opened my eyes and it made me realize like, you know, on the good days, those people that are in the stadium or watching at home, wherever they are, they'll be there on the bad days. They'll be there too. And it's, there's just that bond that the fans have over the club. And it's, and there's it's no, special. There's, there's no black or white. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist, o man. Only red and yellow. That's it. That's it. And it's the bond that, that those people share. And I mean, look at you and I, and look at how you and I met. We met over just two strangers on opposite sides of the world. And the bond and the love we have for Galsalai, that's what brought us together. And it's mm. a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. Exactly. You mentioned something about writing an article on medium.com. Was this before the game or after the game, your first game in the stadium? In the yeah, stadium? It, it, was, it was after. It was after. I was on the, the plane home and um, I just, I was so, it, to be honest, it was a little bit embarrassing. Like I mentioned this in the little article I wrote as well. It was embarrassing because I was like crying and I was like, I was in such, such shock. Like, I wait, you know, when you're a kid, when you start supporting the club as a kid or, you know, not even just for football, it could be anything. And, you know, you have it in your head, like as a kid in school, like imagining like what it would be like to be in the stadium or watching a match on TV and saying, oh my God, like, I wonder what it would be like to be there. I just, I always had that in my head. And then when it actually happened, I was like, I was like a deer in headlights. Like I didn't know how to act. So I, I, I remember too, I was standing in the, uh, the metro, the, the taxi metro, and, and it, was, it was empty. Like I was there, there was just a few people there. It was a few hours before the match. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, where is everyone? And then all of a sudden, like coming down the stairs into the metro, there was like a whole group of people and they started singing Chodrukluk Ashkumsin. And I like... I, I don't even, I don't know what happened. I just like froze. Like I couldn't even speak. Like I started crying. Like I was so embarrassed. Like I was trying to sing and do, and like do all the things I had in my head. Like in my head, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to sing so loud. I'm going to chant so loud. And like, I couldn't. And like I mentioned in the article so many times that the words were stuck in my throat. And that's literally how it was. Like I couldn't speak. I was shocked and I was crying. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was emotional experience for me, you know? Do you speak Turkish, John? I sort of do. Um, I can read in Turkish pretty well. My writing is pretty good, but we mostly speak English at home. Mm -hmm. So my Turkish speaking isn't very good. And also... You, another, do, you do know all the Galatasaray chants. Yeah, uh, songs and chants. Yeah, that's been... I've burned that into my own brain, definitely. <laughs> that's but nice. uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little bit different. Um, the way that we speak in Cyprus, there's some differences. It's a little bit different, but it's the same for the most part. But speaking, I'm not so strong, but understanding and reading and writing and stuff, I'm not too bad. Yeah. I'm also curious, uh, again, about the medium.com article. Sure. What did you write there? Yeah, it was just the beginning part of it. I'll, I, can, uh, I can link it to you afterwards if, if you're interested in reading it. Maybe we'll post it on, our, on Lions Den Twitter for anyone else that wants to read it. But um, I was just, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, at the beginning of it, I was just, uh, I was reading, or sorry, I was writing about what I, how I felt about going to the match and how I felt after the match and things like that. But then the second half of it, I talk about how I realized, you know, what I was saying, like that connection that people have. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned in the article as well, like it really struck me because this, this is all this, I'm thinking about all this on the plane ride home, by the way, from Turkey back to Canada, but I it realized it clicked in my head that one of the earliest memories I have of uh, Galatasaray is, is winning the um, the uh, UEFA Cup in uh, 2000, and I write about what I remember. And I remember so we uh, I was we were at my Nene and Dede's house watching it, 
And my dad was sitting on the couch. My dad was sitting on the couch. I was sitting on the floor up against the couch and I was watching the match. And like my nene was pacing around the house and pacing around the kitchen like she couldn't even watch. But I didn't understand. I was only like five years old at the time. I didn't understand. How old was she at the time? Probably in her 50s, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe in her 50s. But I didn't understand. Like my dad was yelling at the TV My dad was yelling at the TV. I, my nene was like pacing around. Everyone was so nervous and I didn't understand. But I knew it was important by the way everyone was acting. And then when we had won, I remember like I was running around the living room, like my dad and dad were like swinging me around and stuff. And it felt so good. But I didn't know why. Like I didn't even really know what Galsarai was at that age. Like I didn't understand But I understand now, after I went to those matches, I understand now yeah. why I felt that way. And it's, it's the feeling you get when you're surrounded by people that are cheering for the same thing. It's the togetherness, mm -hmm. you know? You said your first game you ever went to in Istanbul was in 2019, three years ago. Which match was it? Yeah, I believe it was 2019. It was, so I went, I went first, I think I was... No, not no. I think I was 22. I'm 26 now. 22, I think I was. But okay. I went to the so one league match. It was the uh, Bursa match. We tied one one. Eren Derdiok scored. That was the oh. first goal. Yeah, that was the Four first years goal. Ago. Yeah, yeah, that was the first goal I witnessed in the stadium. And then um, the second match was against uh, Schalke in the Champions League. And uh, zero zero tie that match, but it was an amazing performance by Muslera and Ozan Kabak. So that that was nice to see. That was really fun to watch. So and then, uh, well, I went with you not too long ago, and we saw a couple <laughs> couple classics. That was a good time. But yeah, that was my first time being in the stadium. I watched those two match those two matches. Yeah, we had a good run. Uh, we had the Besiktas two zero win, and then the Barcelona game, which was exciting as well amazing yeah it was amazing so if you could think back to your most favorite memory uh, linked to galatasaray what would you uh, what would you say it was my favorite memory so definitely what i just explained that one is up there watching that uefa final when i was just a kid that's up there mm -hmm. and then i would probably say after that i will i will never ever ever in my life forget this So when we played against Juventus in the Champions League and Schneider scored that goal in the snow. So initially the match was to be played on whatever the match day was, if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was. And then it got canceled and postponed the following day. So when they postponed it, it was uh, rescheduled for 9 a.m. my time in, in Toronto here. And uh, I actually, I, I had a final exam in school that day. And I just said, you know what, screw it. If they think I'm going to this exam, they're dead ass wrong. So I, I skipped the <laughs> final exam. I got a zero on the final exam, but luckily I still passed the course. Like I just, by, right on the border, 50%. And I stayed home and watched that match. And yeah, if I w let's just say if I would have went and taken that exam, I would have been really upset leaving and knowing what happened and knowing the score and everything. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was, that was scenes, man. Yeah, I remember the game uh, against Juvent Juventus indeed. I was actually in Turkey at that time, if I recall correctly. And they postponed it to the next day, and I was in school as well. And uh, we basically skipped class and, yeah. uh, and watched the game. Yeah, yeah it's a very, um, very known, uh, familiar story a lot of people have uh, with that game. Yeah. Because it was snowing a lot in Istanbul as well. Very interesting. Yeah. So, would you say... You started becoming a super fan in the 2000s when you were four or five after you saw your grandma going hyped up like that? I would say at that time, between the ages of four to six, I was like intrigued, mm -hmm. I would say. I was very intrigued. And the thing is, is there, was a, there were a lot of challenges in Canada, like trying to watch Galatasaray matches and things like that. Like obviously stuff like that. It wasn't broadcasted in Canada. Um, my nene and dad at the time, they didn't have like Turkish TV or anything like that. Um, so it was a struggle. The rare times they would come on TV, I would always watch like a, just a random memory I have. I remember once on uh, the TV we had on some sports channel, they were showing Galatasaray versus Porto. And I was like, 
glued to the TV watching that. Um, but when I became a super fan, I would say I became a super fan maybe around like 2008, maybe. I really, really started getting into it, you know, like following like every single piece of news and everything there is about it. Before I was just kind of, I, I was interested. I was, I was there, you know, I supported Galsalai, things like that. But when I was about maybe 12 or 13, it really took off and I really started uh, going crazy with it. Mm, 2008, was that with um, Lincoln and Arda Turan really doing well, if I recall correctly? Yeah, around, around that time. When those guys Nonda. were playing. Yeah, yeah. When those guys were playing and they really got going, that's when I was, I was really getting into it as well. Yeah, I think we had the uh, purple jerseys back then as well. And you really became involved at that time or you mentioned a bit later? Yeah, r around that time. Like when I was in 2008, I was like 12 or 13, I believe. So it was around that time where I started sort of amping it up and getting more invested in it. And then, um, I, yeah, I would say around then I started becoming a super fan. But when I got, when I got even older, like, I don't know, 15, 16, it, it was like, yeah, forget about it. I was, I, I, after that point, I was just, that was it for me. I'm considering me a fanatic after that point. Yeah. So another question I have is, if you could have a coffee or dinner with any Galatasaray figure, who would you choose? Well, definitely, if I was going to sit and, uh, and discuss, have a tea with anyone, it, it would have to be Fatih Terim. Uh, Fatih Terim is pretty much one of my idols, I would say. Like, I started coaching football to begin with, mostly because of him. He was a big inspiration for me. Uh, I would sit with him and... Oh my God, I, I, would, I wouldn't shut up. I would ask about players. I would ask about, you know, how it is in, at the club. And I would ask about coaching and mm -hmm. things I can improve on and try to learn as much as I can for him. Like, you know, I, I know these days he's not exactly, I don't know how to put it. He's not exactly looked too well upon, I guess you can say, after the last run and stuff he had. But You know, it doesn't matter what he does for the rest of his life. It, it, it doesn't matter because he's already written history. Mm -hmm. He's already gone down as the best coach that there ever was, probably that there ever will be in Turkey. And uh, yeah, I'd love to sit down with him. You mentioned you would ask him about coaching. Does that mean that you coach yourself, John? Um, pretty much. I mean, I started when I was 16. Mm -hmm. Like I played a little bit when I was a kid, so the, you... Like I have a, a, you know, there's that foundation when you, when you play that you sort of understand the game and stuff like that. I have that foundation. And, but when it What comes position to position, did you start in? Um, I was playing right back for a while mm -hmm. and um, I could play midfield as well, but I was never really very fast. Like I could never be that good of an attacker, but I was very, you know, calm and composed and I was good with the ball on my feet. So I went, I played midfield after a while, but, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of coaching, I just sort of learned as I went, like I started when I was 16, just doing like grassroots coaching, coaching younger kids with no, no experience at all. And then from there I gained more certifications and then I started coaching competitive teams And yeah, I'm so now I, I, I at the moment I coach a U15 team in, in my province, Ontario, here, a competitive team. We play at a pretty high level, not the highest level we have here, but one of the higher levels. Mm -hmm. um, I've coached you, I've I had another team as well that we started. I think we started when they were U9 or U10, and we went till they were U18. So I had a lot of success with, with that team, a lot of trophies, a lot of tournament wins, but. Pretty much just, just learning as I go, learning on the job, you know, like I have a lot of football knowledge just from watching football every hour of every day when I was a kid, playing football and things like that. But coaching is a, a different story. It's a different beast. So yeah, I pretty much didn't learn from anyone in, in, in particular. I just did it myself. But Fatih mm -hmm. Terim was my, uh, he was my blueprint that I wanted to copy so bad and act like him and, and be like him, you know. Did you have to get a lot of licenses to coach a U15 team that you mentioned? 
you have to get a lot of different licenses to and like certifications to coach at higher levels. Mm-hmm. Like I could coach a U15 team at a lower level and not have as many certifications. But uh, Canada is, um, you know, when it comes to the footballing world, Canada is really, really behind. And unfortunately, a lot of the money that we have for youth sports here gets dumped into ice hockey. Mm-hmm. So football kind of gets you know, put on the back burner a little bit with the Canadian national team coming around now and and going to the world cup and things like that. I think Canada soccer is taking things a bit more serious. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can improve, uh, you know, infrastructure here and, and, and get some more, you know, better quality coaches and things like that. But pretty much coming up. Um, yeah, hockey is, is on the forefront. So in that regard, I, I wish I was in a European country. I'd, I think I'd be a lot more successful as a coach. It's not the easiest thing here. Yeah, with Canada coming up like that, and like Alfonso Davies is Canadian, right? Does yeah. he like uh, support promote football in Canada as well? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, I mean, he's the guy now that the kids are you know look up to, mm-hmm. and just like when I was a kid, uh, you know, when I was a kid, there was no Canadian players. So when I was running around at recess playing and stuff, I was saying I'm Hakan Shukur. The kids now are saying, I'm Alf- Alfonso Davies, mm-hmm. Kyle Lauren, you know, all, all of these guys. So when I was a kid, I, I, I never had that. And, you know, I, I think an, another sort of big problem, an idea that I had, like thinking about this, su- such a big problem in Canada, I think is, so Canada is a really, really multicultural place, you know, really multicultural. And that's fantastic. But You have these kids, you know, that have like Italian, Portuguese, Turkish backgrounds. And like, I was just thinking to myself, imagine if I was, if I was a kid and somebody asked me, you know, if I, if I was going pro and someone said, well, do you want to represent the Canadian national team or the Turkish national team? I'd probably say, Canada who? Who is that? Get me on a plane. Get me over to Turkey right now. I want to support Turkey, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, such a problem. We have so much talent that choose to represent like Portugal and, and other countries and things like that. But hopefully now with the national team going and, and getting some excitement and stuff, you know, hopefully that culture here changes, you know? Don't you think that changed already? I mean, if you look at your Europe, uh, we have Holland, Germany, Belgium, lots of Turkish migrant people. and Well, Mesut Özil, for example, broke that border and chose uh, the German national team. Isn't it on that level yet in Canada? Or I would say it's getting there. I wouldn't say it's on that level quite yet. You know, mm-hmm. like I think players, they... Uh, and, and, you know, like I can't really blame players too much. You know, as a player, you want the best opportunity for yourself, you know? So if someone asks you if you're going to represent Canada or represent, you know, let's just say, I don't know, Germany... I mean, come on, let's face it. The, the footballing opportunities playing in Germany, representing Germany, they're a lot greater than Canada, right? But so, so situation-specific, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. On my position, do I have better players? Will I get the play time? I think that's a lot of uh, things that are being outweighed when choosing as well. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully it's a slow you know, burn and slow improvement in Canada now that we have all these players and... You know, hopefully Canadian players will uh, will sort of make that adjustment and they'll they'll strive to play for the nas- our, our national team and not another national team, right? Yeah. So it's 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 a good period now for Canada soccer. Hopefully it uh, it keeps going forward. You know. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of coaching, John, you mentioned you coached U10 until U15, so you've had seen kids growing up from a certain age to a certain point. Mm-hmm. How is the infrastructure in Canada? Is it very good? I mean, even though not a lot of money is pumped in, like how are the fields? How, how are the facilities? How are the links that actual potential footballers, how are the things that they get like with school yeah. and, and their football? Like, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so... You know, um, in Canada, it's it's very unfortunate to say, but, you know, in terms of football and youth football, it all revolves around money, unfortunately. If, uh, if, you, don't, if you don't pay, if, if you don't pay the money, if you don't pay the fees, then you probably won't play for a very good club or very good academy. Is it expensive? 
Yeah, it's very expensive. It's very expensive. It all revolves around money here. Total opposite from Europe, where you probably have like 30 clubs in the one city that, that you're from, right? What should I think? Like, let's say I have a kid. He's 10 years old. I want to sign him up with a team. How much do I have to pay for a season? So if, if tuition, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like the, the fees associated with playing for the club. So uh, the academies here, for example, they're all for profit, you know? So if, even if you're 10, uh, the academies will, will charge you like per year to play. So you might be looking at uh, maybe $3,000 a year to play in the academy. Wow. Yeah. So if, if, if you're older, if you're older and you're playing for like a top, top academy here, you're easily, you can look at no problem, like six, seven, eight thousand dollars a year to play. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's so different. Yeah. I mean, in, in Europe, it doesn't need to cost you that much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, I mean, think about it. My next door neighbor could be the next Messi. But no one would have any idea because his parents can't afford to pay $7,000 a year for him to play. So would you say football is a luxury sport in Canada? Um, I would say it's, it's a luxury in Canada to play at a high level. Because if you, if you can't pay, you will, you will not play at a high level. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest restraints that we have in Canada. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, how it's, how it's structured is that so just now we you know the people listening they probably don't even know this but we actually have our, our uh, professional league in canada now it's called the cpl the canadian premier league mm -hmm. so the pathway to that right so when you when you're a kid there's something we have here called the opdl and the opdl is like the elite league for youth soccer here and um that costs i don't even know how much money that's the absolute highest level you could play at and then from there those players filter in to a league when they get older called League One. It's like a semi-professional league. Mm -hmm. And then the players in League One can go to the CPL, which is the pro league. But like I said, if you don't have the money, you probably won't get there. So shouldn't they receive money? Well, where do they start receiving money? I guess not in the OPDL, as you mentioned. But in League One, do they start getting some money for their effort? Uh, maybe some players get paid there. Like it's a semi-pro league so I'm, i'm not sure maybe they do get they get paid a little bit mm -hmm. um but you also have some players that choose to go like a university route you know like some players might go to university in the states or canada and try to go that route They're, that's sort of a, a side path as well but yeah so the you way have it, soccer mm -hmm. teams of universities yeah you have university teams as well and some players and they play a, and they play in which league They're, that they play in like a, a league that's just where like universities play other universities and stuff like that. Separate from the OPDL, I guess. Separate, separate. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, and I mean, you know, in terms of other things like fields and stuff, uh, we don't really struggle that much for fields and stuff like that. But the problem is that we're in we're indoors for like eight out of the twelve months of the year because it's too cold. So indoor facilities are okay but they're a little bit expensive again which is probably another reason why players have to pay so much for the clubs and everything to afford these facilities but in the summer outside you know it's not bad i guess since they have to pay such a high tuition fee at least the facilities are in order yeah. and they play on with good equipment yeah yeah so just to get back on the opdl short for ontario player development league yes Does each region have its own OPDL or is this like all of Canada? No, right? The OPDL is uh, all of Ontario, the province of Ontario. Mm -hmm. um, so you have teams, you know, all over the province and they compete in this league. And uh, yeah, that's the highest level. And it's sort of assumed that the best players in that league will go to the next phase, which is League One. Mm -hmm. And those League One players will then be filtered into the Canadian Premier League. So... That, that's their hope, at least. And are there many examples where, uh, I don't know, from OPDL to League One, from League One straight to Europe, or do they go from League One? Yeah, I, I mean, this, this is fairly new. Like OPDL, League One, and Canada Premier League, they're only maybe four or five years old now. 
So there's not really many examples of someone going from like League One straight to Europe or, or anything like that. But they're building. It's it's not too bad. Like the Canadian Premier League is getting better and it's it's improving its quality and stuff like that. So maybe in another few years, we'll see a couple examples. But right now, nothing really that sticks out, you know? Yeah. So a bit back on your coaching. If you would want to coach uh, the national team, uh, I don't know, U17, U18, seniors, what are the possibilities there for you, especially? Like, do, do you have any ambitions like that? Um, well, it would be a long road. Like, I, I would have to, I would have to get a pro license, which is very difficult and expensive as well to get that. But you know, if if the opportunity came and and I I wanted to pursue that pro license, and you know, if if I wanted to take that next level, I would, I, I would absolutely, I, I'd love to do that. Um. It's 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 very difficult in this country to do, but you know I'm just I'm right now I'm just I'm sort of just focusing on the youth teams and mm -hmm. that that's really my passion, you know, like developing pl young players and 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 sort of you know younger teams and and things like that. That's what I enjoy doing the most. Mm -hmm. So for now, I'm I'm good doing that. I I love developing players. Who uh, knows? But, you might uh, yeah you might. You might develop the next Alfonso Davies. It's absolutely possible. Yeah. I'm trying my best, trying my best. I'll keep you posted if that happens. <laughs> if you would get an offer from Galatasaray to come and train the U16s, would you take up on that? It means a whole life-changing decision, obviously. But I would pack my bags right this second, quit my full-time job, leave every all my family members behind and run there myself i would run <laughs> there to do that it would be an absolute dream come true and actually there was a i i couldn't end up doing it the timing it wasn't right for me but a few years ago there was a coaching course uh that i wanted to do in uh, istanbul and at the end of the course you were going to be um what's the word, uh, not analyzed, like they were going to watch you hold a training session with the U12 Galatasaray youth team. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, I have to go. I have to go do it. But I, I couldn't oh, wow. go. I, yeah, I couldn't go. The timing didn't work out. But I, I, I keep my eye open for that. The next time they have that, I'm going to try my best to go because I'd even, even that, even though it's just for a course and just being on the pitch and me being in charge of one of the Galatasaray youth teams, like, See, that's the problem with me, man. I don't want to start crying while I'm coaching. That'd be like a dream come true, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's... Uh, well, I hope one day you'll get to your ambitions. I think we can move to uh, the second segment. It's called Quick Rounds. Okay. So I'm going to give you two options and you have to pick one. Okay. And we'll start now and it'll be quick. So you don't get to think a lot. All right. Here we go. The first one, Georgie Haji or Wesley Snyder? Haji. Hakan Shukur or Mario Jardel? Hakan. Fernando Reyes or Felipe Melo? Felipe Melo. Cypriot kitchen, Turkish kitchen or Canadian kitchen? Cypriot kitchen all day, every day of the week. Oh, is it so different than Turkish kitchen? It's not so different, but there's it, it is a, there's there is a little you know few differences because some some things have that little Greek influence and it makes spices <laughs> it up a little bit, you know, more seafood and stuff, stuff like that, yeah, yeah. It's like Ege, uh, Izmir side on Turkey. Yeah, I know. All right, Tafarel or Muslera? Muslera. All right, worst player of Galatasaray. Currently or ever. No, no, no! Immediately, you have without thinking too much. Come on. Uh, uh, worst player ever. First one that pops up. Oh, that's a hard question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, pass. I'll come back to that one. Okay. Best coach of Galatasaray. Fatih Terim. All right, and then let's end off on the worst player. Um, I really don't know. I I'm not sure who the worst player ever is. Who do you think it is? Uh, you you can name a whole lot: uh, Mustafa Sarp, Lucas Ontiviero, uh, Pino. <laughs> I'm gonna you know. go with um, uh, Vaisal Sarr. I think I don't know if you oh. remember him. Yeah, or, oh, yeah. or, or, or Tariq Chamdal. I'll go with Tariq Chamdal. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I'll go with Tariq Chamdal <laughs> for its price, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes me sick to my stomach, actually. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, also we're planning to do a leaderboard, which means that there's a quiz attached to it. Okay. So I prepared a quiz for all our guests coming on to Behind the Fans. Right. Now the pressure's on. And now, indeed, the pressure's on, <laughs> because this is going to be marked on our leaderboard forever. And it'll right. show how much of a Galtzari fan you actually All are. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I'll just start the jingle for the quiz time. And here we go. Question one. Fairly easy one. Should be able to get it. In what year was Galatasaray founded? And it's multiple choice. But okay. if you want to go for it, go for it. In the year 1905. All right. I told you it's an easy one. <laughs> Second question. How many times has Galatasaray won the Turkish Super League? We have won the Super League 22 times. I didn't even give you the multiple choice answers, but that's <laughs> okay, correct. Okay, I'll, I'll let you know if I need the, the options, okay? Sure. So, question number three. Who is the top scorer in Galatasaray history? I have multiple choice answers if you want them. Well, I'm going to say one of my heroes, Hakan Shukur. <laughs> <laughs> that's on the dime. Question number four. It's going to get harder and harder, by the way. Okay, all right. I think you're going to need the multiple choice answers here. Okay. Question four. Which team has Galatasaray never won against in a full 90-minute match? All of history, 1905 to 2022. Barcelona, hmm. Juventus, Arsenal, or Real Madrid? Okay, I think I know, but let me just... So, Real, it can't be Real Madrid. The first one you said was Barcelona? Yeah. I, I don't think it's Barcelona. And what were the other ones again? Juventus or Arsenal. Okay, so here's the thing. So, the answer is Arsenal, but... Um... There was a preseason tournament, I think, in 2013 that where we beat them. So I don't know if that counts. So, Arsenal is correct. It would be stupid to say we never won against Arsenal, but it was a bit of a trick question. We never won against in a full 90-minute game. Barcelona, Juventus, and Real Madrid, we have won. Well, you just mentioned Juventus with the, with the cancellation and yeah. then we won the next day. Barca, we won as well. And Real Madrid, well, the 3-2 where we almost went through beating them. Yeah. Arsenal, we won obviously in the year 2000 for the UEFA Cup. Yeah. Where your nene was uh, joyful and happy. But, but not in full time. Not in full time. And yeah. uh, I think, again, very good. Uh, I don't think you have any wrong answers for till now, so... All right, I'm on a streak. Keep, get, give them to me while I'm hot. Let's go. I'm on a roll. I might have to make them more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> for the next guests. <laughs> Question number five. Who is the most expensive transfer in the history of Galatasaray? Is it... Mbaye Diagne, Wesley Snyder, Elano Blumer, or Mario Jardel? Um, Mario Jardel. Good streak. Surely, streak. has to be. Okay, now linked to that question, number six. How many million euros was Mario Jardel as the most expensive transfer in the history of Galatasaray? 13 million euros, 15.5, 19 million euros, or 17.05 million euros? Um... I think, okay, I think 19 is too high. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's between 15 and 17. Um, 15 and a half versus 
Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, I'll go with 17. <laughs> uh, you're Wrong? just hilarious. No, it's good. That's the right one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't be beat, man. Let's go. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> um, all right, question number seven. What date did Muslera come to Galatasaray? Was it January 2011, January 2012, August 2012, or August 2011? So I know this because I just watched the uh, Muslera interview and they reminded me in that. So I believe it was August 2011. Yeah, that's correct as well. And question number eight. Who was the captain of Galatasaray in the year 2000 when your nene was screaming and the year that we won the UEFA Cup? Event Korkmaz. Legend. Well done. Absolute well legend. We will never forget. Absolute warrior, that guy, man. Question number nine. In which city... This one is an open question. In which city did Galatasaray win the 2000 UEFA Cup Championship? Copenhagen. Denmark. This is too easy for you. <laughs> Name the players that were known as Bum in the 2010 season of Galatasaray as question number um, 10. B. Barish. A. Ihan. M. Mustafa. I don't know if I should count. I want the full names. Okay. Um, Ihan Akman. Uh, yeah. Mustafa Sarp. Uh, Barish. Damn, what was Barish's last name? No cheating. Barish. Um, not Oztürk. What was his name? Was it Oztürk? <laughs> no. No. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, I don't know if I'm counting this one. <laughs> because you 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 I, have I can't remember his last name now. Are you sure it's Uzbek. not Uzbek? It's it's Uzbek. Uzbek. Oh my god. Okay, I need it's at least fine. half a point nine. for that at least. Now you you're getting it. nine and okay. a half points. Okay. Uh well actually I have two more bonus questions. Oh bonus, okay. Yeah. And uh name three of our top league goal scorers in the last six seasons. Oh, that's hard. Like I have to name six of them? No, just three. I have and to name you can go three? out of the last six seasons. Oh, that's hard. Damn, you got me with this one. Um last season. Was it Kerem last season? Or Falcao? Are we talking about current season? No, like last season. 2020, 2021? Yeah. Kerem, surely, no? Or Falcao, no. maybe. Kerem is correct. Kerem is correct. Okay. Two more. Kerem. So, and then I have to go the year before, right? The year before yeah. that. Yeah, you can go even five years back if you want. Okay, the year before that. Uh, Was that with, I think, was that with Gomis? Okay, Gomis was one of them, like 100%. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, the years too. are, I'm all messed up with the years. It has to be Gomis. And then, I mean, I could go any year. I'll say uh, Burak has to be one of them, no? I think we are not going that far back. So you're not getting the bonus. <laughs> not, not that much? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not getting this point. Okay. Let, I have a That's second fine. bonus question. Okay. This one is too easy as well. I need to fix this up. Name four people that wore the number 10 jersey at Galatasaray. That's easy, man. You don't have any other bonus questions for that? No, I, I think I might rework the questions for the next guest. Okay, do you still want me to answer it? Oh, yeah. Um, Haji, Schneider. I'm going to throw a little curveball. Um, Felipe Melo, when he first came, was number 10. Mm -hmm. And who can I spice up the last one with? Um, 
We need someone interesting. Who's an interesting 10? Um, there's a lot of easy ones, but let me give an obscure one for the people listening, just so I can flex on everyone. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll just say Arda. Yeah. I'll say Arda. That's four. That's good. I mean, we had Lincoln. Lincoln, well. yeah. Listen, when you started uh, becoming a super fan, I think. Yeah. Well, that's uh, nine and a half points, I guess, for you, John. <laughs> Let's go. And that actually rounds up today's Behind the Fans podcast. Uh, is there anything you want to promote, plug? Or, I mean, you can also be anonymous if you want. No, I mean, uh, not much I want to plug. Um, just if you're listening, keep listening to Lions Den. Keep supporting Lions Den. Lots of good content coming in the summer as well when the season's over. Stay tuned to the Lions Den, man. All right. Well, uh, with that said, uh, maybe one last question. Sure. It's going to be a tradition. Okay. Are you a, are you a front wiper or a back wiper? So, do you do? You, <laughs> so, so first of all, I don't know. Do you do you want do you want to briefly explain what you mean by that, just in case someone's <laughs> so wondering? When you're on the toilet, <laughs> and you grab the toilet paper, how do you wipe? Do you wipe it with your hand going to your back, wiping upwards or downwards, yeah. or? Do you take the toilet paper and go between your legs and wipe it like that? I do it from like upwards, like behind and upwards. And I'm afraid if someone does it a different way, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, especially going in between the legs. That's very strange. You'll be surprised as to how many people actually do that. <laughs> so you're the back wipe club. Well... All the other guests that are on, I can't wait to hear what they have to say about that. Yeah, I'm taking notes. I'm going to do a big, uh, big summary of uh, who's doing what. Big okay. survey. Have to, especially have to understand how the front wipers do it. Because yeah. between the legs, like, do you, where does it go? We, yeah, we have to get to the bottom of this, definitely. <laughs> does it touch the toilet seat? Does it, does it <laughs> touch your genitals? Yeah, give us the details, please. There's so many questions. I'm, I'm bound to find out who the front wipers are and explain us more about this. <laughs> Amazing. All right, John, thank you very much for joining the podcast, taking the time and uh, giving us all your insights on Canadian football, your stories of Galatasaray and how you became a fan. With that said, it's a wrap and I thank you all for listening. And don't forget to follow us at the Lions Den GS on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and our other social medias. And if you want to join for a Behind the Fans, feel free to email us or drop us a DM on Twitter. Have a good day, y'all.